Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Hey, hey, hey there, Emily. How are you? Hey, 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 Michelle. <laughs> I am fantastic. Thank you. I am I am glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, it's always nice to see you smiling. And, uh, As opposed great. to, like, crying. Well, yes, right. Uh, on rare occasion. Uh, are, we, are you crying? But it's nice to see you're looking radiant yeah. and, and, and happy and, and even a little rested in spite of everything that has been going on for you. I know. I've had in the last week, what, five performances in four days and the launch of a few things. And yeah, it's been really exciting. Good, good. A good time. Good creative time. Good. Yeah. And you also have had, you've had shows. Like some improv shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. You know, I I just continue to pinch myself that I get to do improv um, for people. And and I have great, I have great teammates. And uh, yeah, we just, um, you know. We're looking forward to launching some more uh, opportunities to perform, but uh, they're very, very, um, I, you know, don't even want to talk about them yet because it's still such a, like a, like a, like a, a note on a piece of paper. It hasn't been. Well, Michelle, I let's know. talk about those notes on a piece of paper <laughs> and how quickly we can turn those into reality. Well, I, we need a vision board uh-huh, it, and uh-huh. uh, we're working on some. Put vision it in a binder. It, put it in a binder. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm I'm very excited about that, and uh, um, and coming up soon, or actually, when this episode airs, I will have just come back from my trip around Europe with my daughter. I'm so thrilled for you. So. Um, it was great. <laughs> it was fabulous. We ate, we drank, we saw a bunch of things. Uh, we stayed all over, saw friends. Um, yeah, it was fabulous. It's and, a good way to manifest. You know, it's going to be amazing. It's going right? to be amazing. Yeah. yeah. My my one of my daughter's favorite uh, shows when she was growing up was the Gilmore Girls, and she because she loved the relationship between the mom and the daughter, and I I don't remember exactly who was who. Lorelai is the mom, I think, and then. Someone will tell us what the daughter's name. Um, so I said to Megan, I go, it's going to be like the our version of the Gilmore Girls oh. taking Europe. Oh, you know? fantastic. Yeah. I love so, it. So well, I cannot wait to hear all about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it as well. So um, in, uh, in honor of the fact that we are going to be sending you off on this amazing journey, your girl, girl, Gilmore Girl journey here quite soon, and we have... An awesome returning guest. One of our favorites. I mean, they're all favorites, but seriously, this is one of our favorites. She made a mark early on. I know. Anne is still one of our like highest rated episodes ever. Dr. Donna Marche White is returning. Hello, good evening. We we did not take all of her knowledge on the episode mm-hmm. two bumping Barbies. We were like, we have to have her back, and tonight she has joined us here at the studio. So we are That's right. Welcome back. I'm even more excited tonight <laughs> now that yeah. you know what it's all I know about. We're in for yes, <laughs> right? Well, because so we were at. Uh, your the the wine bar that you used to work at. We were there when we were drafting what, literally speaking, the podcast was going to be, mm-hmm. and then you joined us early on, mm-hmm. and now it's 
It's a thing, right? Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> With a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. right. That I'm wearing. Yeah. Yeah. We're like so, veterans now. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And then you shared with us one day that you actually listened to your episode at one another bar here in town for everybody to Absolutely. listen to. Absolutely. Across the, across the bar. The PA, PA system. Yes. And people like paid attention. Absolutely. And then it was forwarded to other friends and even guys listened to it and... Yes. That is crazy. Everyone's fun. like bumping Barbies. <laughs> <laughs> First base, second base, third base. <laughs> right. Right. Well, before we get into like the really cool stuff we're going to talk about here today, Emily, what yeah, are we drinking? Yeah, let's talk about our, our, our wine. So, um, because this is an awesome occasion. Always. Right, it's always awesome. Always but, awesome. But you know, we episode. thought, well, Donna, let's let's have some bubbles. Absolutely, so we're on a bubble roll here. So, um, we are having some bubbles from Spain. <gasps> so this is not a cava. Um, it's and I'm I'm still having a hard time like getting my head around the difference between like cava and all of the the various regions in in Spain that you know make it make this style but from my understanding it's not cava because this particular producer is so finicky about the grapes that it's very carefully crafted and so you know it's it's not a specific yeah yeah so it it's it's comes from all over this, well yeah like right? i think on the back doesn't it have like a map it does evolve where all the grapes where come he from selects the grapes that's what the guys the wine merchant okay said. so yeah so this is like a beautiful cocktail of grapes absolutely that have come together to it's make curated per- as opposed to like right. a, a big pot of grapes from everywhere yeah right especially selected it's really interesting so it's um raventos blanc it's a blanc to blanc uh, from 2016, um, the, from what I know about this, the regions in which a lot of the grapes have been selected is that it's, you know, it's got that kind of fossil soil, mm. and um, you can definitely smell that and taste it in the I, wine. I was able yeah. to smell that. I, yeah, I was. I was. Cause... Yeah, you've got that kind of quinine kind of thing yeah. going it's really on. Crisp. Yeah. Mm, it is, right? So, like, on the nose, I'm getting that honeysuckle and green apple. You know, that palate really comes through with that minerality and, and some citrus. Um, I've only had just a quick little sniff and taste uh, before we started, so I'm sure more will develop as we enjoy Again, this. Again, little this tiny is, bubbles. Oh, oh well, I they mean, know what we like. So a they're grapefruit as well. But I think that's your, that's your citrus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's delightful. But I definitely taste that fossil ground. Doesn't it taste like this is old earth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, what you don't get with sparkling wines usually? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I think this is delightful, and I'm glad that they recommended it to us at Raventos y Blanc. Yeah, so the price point on this, I believe, is 22 or something like that. maybe. 22, yeah. 24 retail at the, at the wine merchant. It makes sense, yes. Yeah, does that... Yeah, 22.99. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, you know, very high quality of method uh, bubbles. And as they said, he's like, is it kava that's not a kava? I know. You know, no, it's not. It's, it's a sparkling wine. It's a sparkling wine. Yeah, it is. They 
maybe someone could come up with like a like an overall sort of like sparkling wine that's not sparkling wine because that yeah. sounds like to it me when you just cheap. say exactly it yeah. sounds like oh you just picked that prosecco up from the bottom shelf at, at schnooks, schnooks. <gasps> yeah I agree it doesn't it doesn't represent the quality that this bottle does right right yeah, yeah. or Deerberg's or or Wherever. any of the other grocery stores in town <laughs> or. Exactly. Aldi's or... Wherever you buy your wine. Exactly. Wherever you buy your wine. Yeah. So um, I think you can't go wrong with this. Um, It's wonderful. So as always, we will make sure to share a picture on our social media and on our blog with our tasting notes. And and in our our start of season three wine list. Oh my gosh. You said wine merchant, right? That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And as always, as a reminder to our new list or our previous listeners and a note to our new listeners, um, you know, you get 15% off your wine when you go to the wine merchant and you say, I heard about this wine when I was listening to Clitorally Speaking the podcast. Then you get the discount on the wine that we showcase. Yeah, provided they still have it. Some of the ones, some of the wine, you know, they don't, you know, because it aired a year ago and it right, was you know course. they don't have it but uh, they will they will find something comparable they to will what, to they're what amazing we, we drank. so so yes yeah, so i'm excited that here you are at the beginning of season three donna welcome back thank you very much i'm glad to be back this is a perfect bottle for me and even more perfect than the first, which is fantastic yeah mm-hmm. yeah well because you're you're kind of um you're, you are like I'm a sparkling wine. I'm and all you, about Spain and I'm all about, yeah. You are. You know, your personality is like that. You're effervescent. Oh, you know. thank you. And so we had to just um, match the wine, match the, the drink today to, to you. What is your thought on this one? Well, I like it a lot. Okay. I like it very much. I hope I don't drink the whole thing. Emily we'll, has, we'll uh, take care of that. she manages to make sure we all get equal pours. We do. Okay, I have saying. a system. Yeah. I just, <laughs> yeah. notice, the bo- notice the bottle is with, it's not close within to me. my reach. Right, right, and it's right, not right, within right. your reach either. Yeah. I have an equal pour system. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michelle, what kind of panty is this? Um. So, I do. This is not a complicated pair of panties. It doesn't have you know any special no feathers, no feathers or bark or <laughs> you know squirrels attached to it. Um, it's a. Uh, it's like it's like white satin. Okay, just a white satin panty. You know. Mm. Okay. Easy enough. Easy, pleasurable, reliable, pleasurable, reliable. Yeah. Okay, still feels cool Sexy. on your feels cool mm. on your skin, right? Mm. Gives a little breathing room. I like it. Um, yeah, uh, it's not <laughs> something that you know is that you're unhappy that you're wearing or drinking. Okay, I mean, this is like you know sometimes don't you have that like you like oh why did I wear this pair of panties today. God bless. There are times I think about it. I like go to pull them out and I'm like, do I really, do I really want to wear those? And then sometimes you have no choice because of what you're wearing. Because you haven't done your laundry. I'm down to that pair. Yeah. I have to wear that. Yeah. And And then you regret it all day long. And then maybe you should have just gone commando. (gasps) Or done your laundry. No, you're are you, Donna. Are you an anti-commando? Uh, no, woman? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just rolling with it. 
<laughs> Shock, this, dismay. I'm just rolling. Is with all it. this panty talk too much for well, you? No, Are we embarrassing no, no, you? No, no, no. Because I'm just saying, like, you know, my problem's the opposite problem. Like, I don't throw them away. You know, <laughs> oh. it's like I hold on forever. Yeah, till they're like they're like I know, holding my like, like a thread. Away, please. Like, I'm just too cheap to like throw them away. <laughs> <laughs> I have the same problem. I have to play like the taps or some sort of morning song when I eventually get to the point where they're they've got to go. <laughs> oh, not me. That's so. I, I just well, discard them. I don't, they don't. They don't serve me anymore. Get, go away. You know, to to the trash, to the trashy peon panties. You don't get to belong <laughs> like in my the, drawer anymore. We have see, the, see panties are like a a work of art, right? S- well, some mine are more like you know <laughs> machines. <laughs> you know, they're like they're it's like a device. <laughs> they're like, like hold everything <laughs> they're in. <a> device. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They prevent the rest of the world from being like, you know, knocked out because I've got my pair of panties that are keeping everything where they need to be. Yeah. Not, a, you know, it's been okay. a while since panties have been a work of art for me. <laughs> well, I need maybe to get back we to need that. to design some that can be the sexy machine. I, sure, I can, you know, I, 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 I can sketch it up and have somebody create them. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's really fine. I think we should work on that. Yeah, I I do have to say that, I mean, if I'm going to do a throwback to a pair of panties, and this is like, you know, I would say the Francie pants. Oh. And people should look look them up. They they are... Sexy and comfortable. Sexy and comfortable. Yeah. And um, so, you know, kudos to them on that one. Yeah. Otherwise. That's great. Otherwise, you know, whatever... So, <laughs> Dr. Donna, what um what has this last year what's like what's changed in in your world? I mean, it's been years since we've had a conversation with you on, on the our podcast. Show. We've talked right, to you before. Right, yeah. right. Well, not much has changed. I'm still um, you know, adjunct professor at Webster University. Um I well there there's a major change. I'm going into real estate. Oh, good so for you. Right. yeah. So once I pass the exam, um I'll start to hopefully sell a bunch of properties and that'll be my new career, if yeah. you will. I think last time we talked about I've been an adjunct professor for fifteen years and right. I cannot get a full time position. So why I'm is like, that? It's just because it's the the culture of university has changed. So it's cheaper that to keep you guys as adjuncts. And well, there's that. I mean, we are like 75% at least of the workforce, but I think that people want to finish their degrees online and it's mm-hmm. just not the culture to come and sit in a class, you know, for 16 weeks. So it's like the mm-hmm. work is also diminishing. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you run online classes yourself? I don't like teaching online. I'm a sort of, uh, I love the magic in the classroom. Yeah. So the online yeah. the You're online connecting. method is kind of difficult to discuss things like, you know, sexuality and race, ethnicity and gender performance like over the internet. So right. I'm right. not like I'm not the best. I'm not my best professor online. So I sort of, you know, well, recoil if they sit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you wind up doing it for the money, and your heart's not in it, and then you hate it, and then people who are. Because, you know, some schools have international campuses, and so you'll get text messages and or emails at 4 a.m., and right, it's just too much. So 
So for our listeners who haven't heard Bumping Barbies yet, can you share with them your um, area of of expertise? Sure. So I am a sociocultural anthropologist. My area of focus within society or culture is um, sexuality and ethnicity. In particular, Mm -hmm. I look at women as a group. Um, I feel like we've been understudied and sort of misunderstood, and I want to work to rewrite um, or just sort of like reinterpret what it is to be a woman nowadays. Why do you think that we've been understudied? Because it didn't matter? Our sexuality didn't matter? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. What is Viagra? Right, right. I was just listening to a really wonderful um, episode of Fresh Air where Mm -hmm, Terry mm -hmm. was interviewing uh, Gina Davis who became kind of an activist at after 40 when she was no longer booking gigs because right. she was too old in the Hollywood scene. And she um, started like doing research on the landscape there and realizing that the representation of women in Hollywood versus men, just, you know, the, the, the numbers are staggering. How few women are in a predominant role, not just in a predominant hero role, mm-hmm. but... Also, just the numbers of men versus women in a movie, and then also um, the representation Absolutely. of women, you know, and and a lot of times when a woman is in the film, how they're sexualized or they're imaged, Im- exactly, right, exactly. Right. So she's actually getting a humanitarian award by the um, an Oscar, mm-hmm. like for her work, which is wonderful that that she's become this voice of this, but. You know, I think this harkens to your your point. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, so it's 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 not that I'm um like, you know, giving up on academia and, you know, whatever. It's just I I will teach still, like when there are courses available, but I'm I'm now focused on real estate. Okay. <laughs> Helping people in a very important decision in their life. Well, right? I think it's I think it's just the next it's just the next chapter. And it's just a perfect transition from, you know, uh, what I've been doing. I mean, since working in age, I've been selling people on some idea of something. So my Mm -hmm. first job was in a men's, like, suit store Mm -hmm. when I was 16. So I was, you know, selling, you know, whatever, you know, ties and shirts that match or what have you. Making a man look good, right? You know what I mean? And then it was clothing stores. Then it was record stores for, like, five or six years, you know. And then, as a professor, you're selling kids and doing their homework. You're selling kids oh, on the crazy very... social theories. <sighs> You're selling kids on this is racism or, you know, this is not racism. You're selling kids on it's okay to be who you are. So mm-hmm. in some way or the other, whether it's in the restaurant setting, I've been selling things in some format. And I think that is just the next extension. Okay. You know. And have a maybe a little higher pay. Well, absolutely. Payoff. I mean, financial security would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I'm, I'm must, adjunct is not well. And, it's and, not. It's not nice. What kind of? What kind of? Uh, well, what kind of validation is that? That you have you, know, you work so hard, you get these degrees, you go through their system, you have right, a doctorate. Right. I mean, because we're raised to believe that you know you have a PhD and and you should be fine. Yes, you yes. should be fine. Um, and I think I read somewhere somebody said you can always um, tell some you know uh, be able to tell something about a society and history mm-hmm. 
by what their what they spent their money on, like what they built the largest of. Mm, you know what, um, interesting. Is it a library? Is it a gallery? Is it, is a, it a sports stadium? Right, right. Right. Is it? Um. It's you know. It's not a lot. It's it's definitely what what they idolize. You know exactly. Big banks and sports stadium is where we are now. Mm-hmm. Right. I know. Right? I know. There's not a lot of art and sculpture and things no. that are worth spending our money on, or even respect for like. Like intellectualism, I think it's just sort of like you know not no, important. No, it's very it's, unimportant. It's very anti-intellectualism. To actually think we are sitting you know? in a big I think, I mean, time right now of anti-intellectualism. That's been happening think? since I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, I remember such an elite person who has, how dare you think can put a noun and a verb together. You how dare I, you? I just yeah. remember being the kid in in school. Um, at a young age, and I remember that transition, by the way, in school where it came from, we are encouraging you to think, to stop thinking. I do remember mm-hmm. that distinct shift. And um, it was from grade school to junior high, so um, it's sixth grade that changed for me. Mm-hmm. And I was told to stop asking questions, to stop thinking so much, often, my teachers would say, Emily, you're thinking too much. This is the answer. Were those male Instead or of teachers? saying, why is this the answer? Mm-hmm. Tell me, understand this. Because if we understand that answer, if we understand that, we can look at these patterns and come to better solutions down the road. Um, to answer your question, it was both. Both, both male mm-hmm. and female. Um, and I think it's directly related to school curriculum and the pressures that came into place of they've kids have to test at these scores and to exactly. test at these scores, they need to know A, B, and C, and D at these answers. And the curriculum changed from kids understanding circumstances and how to think through things to uh, A, B, and C, and mm-hmm. D. Being able to thing. answer the short term right. memory. Right, right, Because, right. well, we made it, uh, we made the, you know, uh, um, the teacher's increases and, you know, uh, dependent upon how those students did. Right. You know, I mean, gosh, how... <laughs> but I can say, just to lighten yeah. it up a little bit, yeah. because oh, I'm going to start it... crying here. Oh, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, I can say that doing this with you guys totally fills my spirit because, like, I'm going into real estate, and so I won't have a chance to talk about, like, women or, like, sexuality or, like, women's issues or any of yeah, that. Yeah, you'd probably like, I'll freak be, like, out your, you know your, what your, I mean? your like, couples I, I'm that you're taking like, around. I'm leaving, like, this sort of intellectual space whole... where these things are discussed. To, so you know, talking about like square footage and you know, leaky roofs. But why can't so, you? So like this is very nice to have this opportunity well, with you Your guys. Outlet. But why can't you? Like you could, you can write a book, you can have a blog, you can have your own podcast, you can have a YouTube channel, you could have a, you can come and join us. Well, that's why I'm of here. Of course. That's why I'm here. But I'm, but, but you have such a, um, I mean, God, your the research and everything that you've done in the past to get you to the point of knowledge where you're at and you're charismatic naturally and you're Thank engaging you. and understanding and open-minded. Like you could totally, even though you might make your money mm-hmm. in, in, in one path, doesn't mean that you can't 
exercise this knowledge base that you have well, and that's educate why, others. That's why I'm here. That's Yay! why I'm here, right? <laughs> so I mean, that's why I'm here. And I'll be at the bedtime stories too next week. Yeah. Wonderful. Right? So it gives you yeah. an opportunity to still sort of like... Stay connected. Play with that part of my brain, if you will. Right. Which is very important. Mm-hmm. The sexual spirit. Well, right. So <laughs> the first time, the, when we first had you on the show, we talked about bumping Barbies and firsts and how those firsts impact your... Social construction of sexuality. Right. And so we obviously didn't finish our conversation Well, what are your afterthoughts, though? Like, we talked about it, and you guys have listened to the podcast as well. Like, do you understand what I was saying in terms of, like... This is how we make sexuality. Sure, of course. And I love your story about the two Chrises. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is right. how we make it. This is how yeah. we make it, you right. know? Right. And you and the rugby point, which I'm still confused. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I don't know, like, the rugby point thing. But that's how we make it, you know? And then right. my fr- a friend of mine listened to it with me. Yeah. And where you said dry humping, we learned clothes burning. And she just, like... <laughs> Cracked up so hard she was crying. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. She learned something. Exactly. She was like, no, we didn't call it that. And I'm like, I did anyway. I mean, and we had to fight about the bases. I'm like, no, <laughs> second base was. No. And do you ever miss those days of like when you were young, like, like clothes burning, dry humping, like that was the thing? Like, you, you, like, you're like, oh, we're, you know, we're not going to have sex, but the the excitement of like the pushing a line. That, yeah, that, wasn't yes. that that's so what I, That's amazing? what I was talking about. Like I miss making out. Is that? Remember you said yeah. after you have the intercourse, it's no more making out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I did say that. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, I just missed the plain old like for hours. Yeah. And hours. Yeah. So as adults, <laughs> what do we do to keep that excitement fresh and alive? Well, I think that's part of what I what I'm feeling like it's sexual spirit. Like I just sort of feel like, you know, women as women, like we don't think about that part of our brains. We don't it's like every other thing, professional, family. Go to the gym, you know, My clean church, the house, you know, uh, whatever that is. You know, those are all important. Those right? are all important. But I think that we sometimes just sort of forget about our sexual selves and our well, sexual spirits. And what you're mapping out, I'm sorry, okay, you were taking no, a breath. I no, knew you had something there, okay. Michelle. That's all right. Um, what you were mapping out were our our obligations, right? Work, exactly. uh, phys- maintaining physical health, meals, all of that. Um, I think that sex can also become an obligation, right? In a when you're in a relationship or married or whatever, it's certainly I've been through that phase in my life where previously, like, you know, that was just another one of those things you got to check off your list during the day, right? Oof. Right, not fun, right? Yeah. So, so there's I going mean, back. I breathe so, it out. Can so, right. <laughs> You need some more some bubbles. More bubbles. <laughs> yeah. So I think let us go uh, a little step backwards. Well, why is it a chore? Well, so that harkens back to the I idea it, of, of enjoyment. Well, so for me at that time, it was a chore because it was an expectation, an obligation. And then in that it wasn't, the joy was not reciprocated. It was like, you know, I, I... The horror. Right, right. It was not about my pleasure. 
But that's the norm, though. It is the norm, right? That's what I found in my research. That's mm-hmm. the norm. And again, is that unfortunately because- that's the norm, and that doesn't have to be the norm. Well, and no. So we're, and that's, if we can right. talk about what can we just go back one step and and let's define a little bit more um, broadly or in depth or whatever. That's like an oxymoron. Sexual spirit. When you say a woman's sexual spirit, what are you actually saying about her? What is it? I think, um, at least for myself, because I always sort of want to like have empathy and like relate to women in particular. It's this sort of like how you forget that you're attractive, how you forget that you're a sexual bang, how you mm. forget that you're alluring, how you forget that you're you know, feminine or whatever that is for you. You know what I mean? There are probably um, some women that never know that even exists. I just, I right? put makeup on today. I think it's the first time for 2019. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, God, I actually, I'm going to throw in some makeup. <laughs> you know what I mean? So with that, and I have a giant, like you had the, the tree injury last time. Yeah. I have like a crater because I <laughs> ate a whole like German chocolate bar. Anyway. Um, so I'm just saying, like, you know, we need to remember to also be sort of aware and sort of conscious of, of that part of our of the and of be our being conscious of the levels of that, because not only is there power in knowing that you are a sexual being, that you are attractive and you are alluring and feminine, but when you when you are alluring and feminine and sexual, what that translates for you. That your pleasure is of it, not that you are all of these things for somebody else's pleasure. No, it's pleasure. your own. It's for your, because the old adage is, if you cannot love yourself, you cannot love anyone else, right? Right, and I think that we kind of get we kind of get confused on what it is to love somebody else because people can have sex all day long. Absolutely. And then we, especially when you don't love yourself. Right. Right. Mm. So Mm -hmm. how do you and where along your sexual journey? I mean, you know, my, I'm my sex. I'm in the middle ages of my sexual journey. I haven't, Mm. I'm not, I'm not at the end yet. Fingers crossed, toes crossed, right? But, you know, I wouldn't want to go back and say, oh, at 20, I kind of fucked up because I should have gone left and not right. Now my sexual journey is all screwed up. But, like, what are some signs people can, like, be aware of um, that, A, this is uh, this is not a struggle for you or this is a struggle for you to be identified, have your to be comfortable with your sexual being? Does well, I just think sense? that I think, yeah. well, in my theory, in my view, I'm mean, yeah. speaking from my view and my research, I think that a lot of it is how women are raised. I mean, not to be how they're socialized or social interaction or what have you. But I mean, I think that it's about, it's a lot of it has to do with how you're raised. Yeah. You know, and then as we become adults, it's these sort of social interactions that you have with like other people in society. You know, and then that stuff sticks with us, you know. Yeah, my problem is that oftentimes we listen to the external too much without listening to the internal. We well, discount the internal. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. but that, 
again, comes from social response. Mm -hmm. So if you think about just like at least where we are here in the United States, you know, we still live in a pretty socially conservative, you know, generally well, here in right, the South. right. It's a, you know, very, very, I mean, very, the yeah. very puritanical ideas about Absolutely. women and sexuality. It's Victorian, when, yes. it is, yes. and 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 women needing to maintain their virgin, you know, status. Or the image and, of such, right? Absolutely, and and I all I remember, you know, as a young person. Um, exploring sex and you know there were all these things that were I was being um, told like oh well you can't have sex too soon because they'll think you're a slut and 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 once you have sex then they're still going to think you're a slut and like just all these concerns about you know and meanwhile you're getting pressure from the partner to have sex and you know what I mean so and you can't have too many partners you, you can't, can't have too much sex or too many partners and right. it happens even but if you're male that's okay it doesn't matter even even still when women fix. are my age and they're dating, yeah. they're like, "Well, no, I'm 50, but I'm not. I'm not. I mean, we're on our fourth date. I'm not gonna have sex yet because I don't. I know you're like you're 50, and right. you're still playing the game of 21 of 21, or you know, because you like because if you if you give in give in too soon, mm -hmm. then he has this idea of you, and then right. he won't see you again. So you have to to continue to to delay this. And, and we've all, I mean, I've had it happen. Have you had oh it happen, ladies? Where yeah. like you, you give in too soon because it's hot and you're excited and, and then all of a sudden, you know. They don't, they don't. Right. They tell you, oh no, I'm not interested in dating. And it's like, okay. Right. If, I don't kids, date. I don't date. They ghost you. Yeah, right. they ghost you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, um, <laughs> what's particularly frustrating. And I don't know if you have, if you've had this experience is that That's when it's, say. when it's really, really good. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it was like, you know, the first night and you met somebody or the fourth night or whatever, you know, the fourth yeah. date. And it was really, really good. And they are intimidated because your sex was so good together. That they then ghost you after that too. That is total BS. Well, I'm like, why would they what? not I mean, want asked, more of that? I've exactly, exactly. I've asked. I've asked. Yeah. And they're like uh, my other guy friends. I've, I'm like, why? Why did this? Is that older men? Uh, can. Uh, same age, peers. Is it are possible? Yes. That, yes. Well, totally. It's our age. Yeah. Not the young guys. No, no, That's no, why no. I date younger. You have to deal <laughs> so with So they must have some guilt or something? <laughs> They're the same. Is there some guilt well, going? I mean, in your research, do you find that, or even your experience, do you find that when you're with our, our uh, opposite sex contemporaries, or maybe even in the same, same sex, sex, I'm same sure. sex probably have the similar thing, we still act like we're in high school together, even though we're 50, 45, whatever. We still act as if we're 18 versus... Like why? It's are the you, dating game, right? Do it's we still stay the dating stuck game. in the same? I think it's still the dating game, and I think that things like the online, the apps, and the tenders and the bumbles and all of that. I think it just sort of like perpetuates the dating game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very superficial, if not more. I think like it's no more one goes on proper dates anymore. Yeah. You know, where you sit and talk to each other and have a meal and right. share a meal. Like no one does that anymore. Yeah, it's like you swipe and then someone comes over and Or it's a it's or if <clears throat> or those dates feel like a job interview. Exactly. And like a speed dating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. It's so it's it's difficult. And so when you are a single person and you're going through 
the the these methods to try to meet somebody else and this you continually leave those things feeling down and dejected and 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 then you then you internalize that and you sort of lose that connection with your sexual self right because obviously you discussed it with it yeah nobody finds me attractive so i must not be attractive and i must not be fuckable i must not be you know and so yeah then you then you perpetuate that right um and that and i know we're going to continue to talk about this but that's we do ourselves a disservice there absolutely absolutely how can we on our podcast help our listeners Remember Break that. last time I said, yeah, <clears throat> therapist said, <laughs> it begins with acknowledging the habit or the behavior, the pattern. And as long as you're aware, then you have some sort of control over it to do that or not. So if you're aware that you have a problem with feeling sort of like, you know, I don't know, um, rejected mm-hmm. and it makes you feel bad or it makes you feel ugly or it makes you feel fat or what have you. Like, you need to know that when this happens, I'm accustomed to feeling this way. So stop the pattern. Break the pattern. So I would say to stop the pattern and break the pattern, you just don't go and do those things anymore. How do you stop the pattern and still try to... Still have Day still have hope that that might, I don't know. I think I think, I think or, it's, I think it's exercise. I think it's like going to the gym. You have to work the muscle and like build the muscle. And I have some friends who are so good at building that muscle and trying that day over and over again. Because if you don't try, you're going to wind up alone forever, <laughs> You'll right? Have a if you don't jump and you off drink the cliff, a lot. you're never going to yeah. meet someone. You know. So speaking of the muscle, right? <laughs> so do you think just like the act of getting aroused and turned on is also like a muscle, like that you can if you can flame or pull back like if you are keeping it engaged through various methods you know you keeping your sexuality alive or right right so do you so you're saying like even if you are rejected still work on your sexual your, spirit and I, your muscle if you will absolutely, well, absolutely if it's by I'm saying that. reading or self-love or you but know see, self-love is a multiple there's many ways of self-love i wrote those all down but i mean there's many ways of self-love i okay. mean in my in my in my book that <laughs> you're writing you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. like you know i mean for myself like i think you know simple things like Maybe having like, you know, going to the salon, you know, like having your hair done, having your nails done, Mm -hmm. or maybe getting a pedicure or what have you. These are things that, I mean, at least for me, I feel great. You You know, it's like, whether or not it looks pretty or not, I don't care, but I'm deep conditioned. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, and if you have a facial, you're like, I'm exfoliated, you know, so I mean... I think for everybody, it's it's different. It's taking care of yourself, Absolutely. Some folks go to yoga. Mm -hmm. You know, some folks have therapy or life Some have a good meal. Some have good wine. Some people go to acupuncture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that, like, you know, when I say self-love, I mean, like, much more than just, like, masturbating. I mean, like, make a meal for yourself. Make dinner for yourself. Have a Mm -hmm. bottle of wine alone. (laughs) Oh, Mm -hmm. I have that all the time. (laughs) You know? I've got that handled. I've got that handled. (laughs) You know, so it's... So I would think in my little world right now, self-love, you know, in the the (laughs) non-masturbatory way (laughs) is um, doing this podcast, 
hanging mm-hmm. out with my, mm-hmm. hanging out with my friends, doing improv because that makes me laugh and gives me all kinds of uh, you know joy mm-hmm. there. And I feel good about Ben's energy. The Sam. Sam. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. His brother's Ben. Sam's <laughs> energy. Okay, like your energy like brings me comfort because I know that you have it. Like you've got the recording together. Like you got my back, literally, literally, <laughs> literally. So um, no, and, and and also presents a safe place. And I think that from what I experienced from the first podcast, so many women relate it to everything we talked about. Yeah, definitely. so many women were like. Oh my god! I can't believe you actually like verbalize like what I've been thinking or what I've experienced, and right. You know, well, you know everybody know. wants to. Everybody just wants to make out. <laughs> we do. We'd love me. You know out. what I mean? We'd love no. making out. You know? Yeah. Dry okay. humping. You know whatever. Miss those like, days. Remember, like, like you go to the drive-in and like it would just be mm-hmm. magic. Oh, so I, I have a question. <laughs> when when did it happen? That I mean, I you know I love making out, and I've said that numerous times on the episode. You know, sorry, right? But it's like, like when when do you find when you are making out with somebody that you you know? I know you're in in an engaged relationship, so you know making out might you know mean different things. But when does it? Like I remember, like sometimes you're making out, and then your brain switches, and you're like, "Please don't push this any further. I'm not ready to go any further. Please don't push this any Just further." Just because you're in an engaged relationship doesn't mean that making out doesn't Always. mean you don't want to go further. I mean, I think that's the thing that I miss about, you know, it, when I'm in a long-term relationship in the times of my life where this has happened. Sometimes making out is just great just to make out and know that that's what you're doing, you know? Right. Um, But now, like, when you are in a committed relationship, it ends up leading to sex. And not that that's not awesome, but sometimes it would just be nice to just make out. That's what I was saying last time, like, when we were, like, 19 or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, like, like kissing for four hours and your lips are swollen. (laughs) And you're, and you're and like, you're, what time is that? Your cheeks are chafed. I know. You know? You know you're like, I know. wow. I, you know, you can't even put like lotion you're on it like, you know, because you it know. hurts. You're like, oh my god, is it two a.m.? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then growing here, growing up here in St. Louis, like we had um, by the airport, there was like a lookout point, if you will, mm. and so like you can go and see the planes, like you know, take off or whatever. And then also like um, several like parks. After hours. Or the makeup places. Yeah, and then drive-ins, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, you know, I mean, it after was... youth group on Sundays <laughs> in cemeteries. <laughs> I mean, oh, well, you go from youth group to cemeteries. I'm serious. <laughs> no, we totally did. Like, we totally go to the cemetery and, like, underage well, drink and make out because, after youth group. Because we, we all were... <laughs> We all were excited and we were exploring it together and we were willing to try things when we were younger. Now we're older and it sometimes it feels like we we carry so much of what has happened to mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. that there's too much fear to go ahead and have that make out, right? Because what's it going to lead to? Or maybe he's not going to do this, or maybe he's going to do that, or, oh, the last time I made out, this happened. Or, I mean, that we carry all of that with us every single time we enter into a sexual Well, you have to, situation. like, not carry it with you. Well, I know. I'm just speaking for everybody else, not just me. But sometimes it's healthy to carry <laughs> that information me, with you. <laughs> sometimes no, but I'm saying, but you can't, because every 
person, male or female or partner it's, or spouse or item of attraction or whatever, whoever it is, every person desi- deserves to have their own like tabula rasa, fine, their own clean slate. That they get they get the opportunity to be a fresh slate. However, we have enough experiences to recognize when somebody is treating you this way, that's unacceptable. Absolutely. And, and you, you need to be able boundaries. to take so, that information forward. Like, I, I get giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, but— You draw your boundaries. Yeah. Well, I think for women— and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for all women here because, you know, <laughs> that's where I am— is when we have—when we find— a uh, a comfort with our sexual spirit again, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes it happens when you get divorced from your first marriage, if as you, you will. Reconstruct. As you like, yeah. you're like, wow, I am a sexual person. As soon as he left, this is amazing. I want to. I, I want to have sex again <laughs> because he's not here anymore. This is fabulous. It, who else? Sorry. Who No, it's fine. Oh, no, who, I, who I, can I, you I can really have sex was, was horrific, and I. I totally understand what you're right, saying. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, you know, I, they always say, you know, when did you get your sex drive back? And I said, as soon as you walked out the door. <laughs> but then you're like, then you're like coming to grips with the fact that I am this sexual being and I do enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And then you have all this bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to enjoy it. You're a slut because you're enjoying sex. And I mean, so you have all of this, this societal bullshit that you've had drilled into you. So as as women get older and they mm-hmm. shed they shed mm-hmm. the constructs mm-hmm. and they they move forward and they get stronger and stronger and more determined and they're like yeah this is what I want the pickings get really really slim <laughs> it's like well okay so there are a whole question. lot of men that are comfortable with a woman who is comfortable with her sexual spirit I have a question ladies so um you know, thinking about the sexual spirit and yeah. the fans that flame it, right? Men have porn. Men have, um, you know, are free to talk about their conquests, right? And hoo hoo yeah. There are more, right? there are more strip clubs for men. Right, there's strip clubs. There's all kinds of ways for men to keep that to get encouraged, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Women, however, it's it's been much more closed. And throughout, I mean, at least since the Victorian era, I know that there has been literature that's mm-hmm. out there to help support the imagination of women. So, like, one of the very first pieces I ever read that I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, this is porn for women. But it's, like, it's, it's hidden. It's cleverly disguised. Um, is the, uh, it's a poem, um, The Goblin's Market. By Christina Rossetti. And I was like, oh my God, this is a sexy, this is a sexy story. But it's Victorian, so it's mm-hmm. very hidden, mm-hmm. right? And and now, like, I, I know that there's all these wonderful books that are out there, and Michelle, you've even written an amazing yeah. book. And so I'm I'm curious if this is this like the the under, is this the hidden way that women have been able to like encourage their sexuality through literature? And is there literature for men also? That's my question. Wow. That was a long way to get to that question. I know, I know. I had to that's preface a, it. I'm okay. sorry. Well, that's okay. Okay. I need, like, I need like, like a PowerPoint. Hold on. There was a, oh, <laughs> there was a flow chart that comes okay, with wait, that. Okay, wait a minute. Okay, so, so I think that for sure 
writing has been a sort of escape for many people who write. Like, I mean, just basically like everyone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I feel like it depends on the person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing to keep in mind is that what is considered erotic is subjective. Right. It is. So, like, what's hot to one person may not be hot to another. And one interpretation of whatever may not be the same as the next person's Fair, interpretation. But there are things that are that are produced for the intent of eroticism. Sex clubs are for eroticism. Right. There are books that are written for that. There are movies that are made for it. Like there is a clear intention behind some of these. Right. right? And I'm, I guess I'm curious in, you know, we, we started out this conversation kind of recognizing that, you know, it's, it's the women's empowerment for sexuality is, it's, it's, it's much smaller than right, what it is right. for men, right? But if I think about literature and I'm, I'm looking over at you and I see a stack of amazing books that I know <laughs> must be written primarily for women, um, you know, it, it just makes me wonder because we are more sexually, at least intellectually curious. Like, you know, like we 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 like that intellectual engagement with a partner before we, I know. would say that it's, um, I, having sex with a smart man is a whole lot more exciting than having sex with a dumb one. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. Doesn't yeah. matter how hot he is, you know, how buff he is. It's like if he's if he's not intellectually stimulating, it's not right. gonna be stimulating. It's just it's That's just, like ninety eight percent of what I meet out. Yeah. Like I'm like the, I'll just go home alone and have a bowl of cereal. <laughs> like I'm so is this why there's more erotic literature for women? Because that stimulates that side for us? Well, I don't know if it's like more um, I think that like like with the like the Harlequin romances and all of the stuff when we were young, I think those are like geared towards females. You know what I mean? Like the whole all of those like you know, small books at the, at the grocery store, yeah. you know, and all of that. You know, I yeah. think that it was, you know, sort of geared towards, you know, women. I mean, Sears was selling vibrators um under like a like a camouflage of like massagers back yeah. in, like, the early, like, 1900s in their catalog. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, like, it depends on, like, what you're looking at and, like, the era, if you will. Um, You know, there's all kinds of what we would term erotic, you know, mm-hmm. happening all the time. I think it depends on a person. You know, for the for the flappers in the 20s, that was erotic to have dresses that were above the knee. It was sure. the rebellion. Yeah, short and you short know, hair. You know too. what I mean? And yeah. you know, and friends, you know. So I mean, I think it just depends on, you know, like what's going on in society and the culture and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that women have possibly not more than men, but I think that many women have taken to writing as a way of expressing their sexuality. Okay. And their desires. I would argue. Yeah. All the way back to yeah. Grace with Sappho, you know? Right. right. Sometimes you have to write the story you wish you were living. 
Okay, so I want to dive into that. Next, ladies, I think we should take a brief little pause and make sure we all have fresh glasses, all and right. then let's dive into that. Okay, sounds Give good a to cigarette. me. All right, sounds <laughs> good. All right, before we took this break and topped off our glasses of wine, I, I'm sorry, sparkling, I uh, I said, you know, sometimes we have to write the stories we want to, or mm-hmm. the life we want to live, you know? And, um, and so many times as women, we gravitate to erotic literature, um, sexy stories, whatever you want to call it, because it's the only thing we're having right now, or it gives you a really good thing to think about when you're having sex with your husband <laughs> or your partner. Escapism. Uh, escapism. Fantasy. Right. Cause nobody has to know that you're really thinking about that, you know, that hot character in that book while you're having sex. Um, they don't need to know your inspiration, but, um, you know, what does, erotic literature mean to people? What is, what is it all about? Um, what can we bring to the table in a relationship or whether if it's by yourself? I mean, these are like things to, to think about, to, to ask, to ponder. And, um, you know, I think for me, uh, one of the, like when, when erotic literature went totally mainstream, and everybody was reading it was like when 50 shades of gray came out i mean suddenly mm-hmm. it was everywhere mm-hmm. um and and even at the pool you know all of these like you know these great people from church are sitting at the pool with their kids in the water reading 50 shades of gray and i'm like what um so i i'd like to discuss that change for us or the impact the impact of, of the, the impact exactly. of that book whether or not I mean we I know it wasn't well written we know that mm-hmm. but let's just talk a little bit about the impact that book had on on providing women sex positive like avenues real um or the whole like it's okay to read a lot erotic literature exactly in exactly. public <laughs> in public exactly at the exactly. community pool exactly right to share that you know to pass the book around. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on on this, ladies? Um, I did not read Fifty Shades of Grey. I did see the movie. I had lots of friends that read it and were very aroused by it. And um, now, because I haven't read it, I'm not a a, a good solid judge. I there I'm I have a polarizing feeling about it because part of me. I love that it it gave women the freedom to feel empowered sexually, even though the story is really not about an empowered sexual person. Right. Right. Um, uh, but I, I like that all of a sudden, like I, these women that I knew that were reading the book, like they, they've desired being with their partners and took more control over sex in their relationships. So I think that's a very positive thing. Um, and I think, you know, kind of tying back to a, an earlier part of our conversation, it's, you know, that that stimulation in your mind, I think, is very healthy sexually. The problem I have with the book is that 
the world got turned on about a story of a man controlling a woman sexually. It's, you know, how many more stories do we need about this dynamic? You know, why couldn't we have reversed the dynamic (laughs) to to sell it? Why does sex have to be about control? Well, okay. There, that's and why do we why whether it's reversed, right? Whether it's a woman. Well, that's and about a man. BDSM culture. So that's that is all about like well, right. somebody releasing but if, their. But if the whole you know however many millions of books and copies that she sold, there's it's a trilogy. Yeah, and it and it's about control, and um, and why? It was kind of pretty woman from the late eighties. You know, mm-hmm. it someone, is. someone's been rescued. So when it and that and using sex in that and by that. a rich, powerful man. Oh, it okay. So we're that shows we're, you the way, right? So again, it's it's this is anti-feminism, ladies. Absolutely. So why is this? How can it be positive? Right. Because women are talking about it. They're thinking about sexuality. They're buying the sex toys that the movies and the books like spawn a whole line of sex toys, including like ball gags and Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff that, you know, were in the movies. And I think that um, it opened up like the typical sort of like suburban housewives, like sexual mind, imagination to more than just what's known as vanilla sex, you know, missionary position, you know, just Mm -hmm. to procreate, you know. Right. I think that um, people were inspired and it was very dangerous and new and, you know, it was a a phenomena, you know. So in the fact that it put a man in power made it safe for everybody, maybe? And everyone loves a love story. Okay. Well, I think no matter how dysfunctional, right? And I think Emily, (laughs) you're right with the fact that they made it was still a man that was in control, and Mm -hmm. uh, so it was acceptable. It was an acceptable uh, story for everyone to consume because it still had was still very patriarchal. Mm -hmm. Um, I I would feel that uh, a more empower if it had been switched, and it was a um, a woman that was in control and doing this to a man, it probably would have been all sorts of media outrage and, and uh, book burnings mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, because the thought for a lot of men and, um, and of course, you know, cause I'm speaking for all men, um, <laughs> is, cause it, I'm speaking for all I'm men. Speaking for all men. No. <laughs> you know, they find, they find a, uh, they find a woman, a sexual woman to be intimidating. Because they can't control her in their minds. Okay. Do you mean a sexually overt woman what? or a sexually powerful woman? A, a woman who knows what she wants, you know, and 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 is and 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 is comfortable in her sexuality. But why are men intimidated by sex toys? Right. That would be a question for Ben. I mean, Sam. Right. I mean, no. Seriously. They just had it on TLC on the Ninety Day Fiance or whatever show. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know? Well, in Dr. Hallie Lieberman's book. Like a freaking book, TLC. And um, Dr. Hallie Lieberman's book, Buzz, Stimulating the History of the Sex Toy, mm-hmm. men are intimidated by the sex toy because they think it will replace them. And they will no longer be needed. And 
that's not the case. So Fifty Shades of Grey went out there. Women were consuming it in vast quantities. The author is quite a rich lady now. Exactly. She wasn't a very good author. She's right. not a very good writer. Right. I mean, the, you know, her descriptions of sex were... Well, no, it was text messages and, like, emails. Yeah, it wasn't very, you know, hot. Sorry, I'm upset. I have four degrees, and I, <laughs> I like, slaved over a dissertation, so I'm a little sensitive. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's our, no, no need to, no need to uh, um, apologize. But... For women who are still looking for something that's better, for something that is more titillating, something that can um, be a better story to read. Right. What sort of— Or writers to get into. What writers? What exactly. things should they get into? What do you have for us? Well, I, for me, when I thought about this whole conversation today, I went back to— my own childhood, my own early sexual construction stuff. And so I brought the Judy Bloom mm-hmm. um, Forever book in. It was the right. first thing I ever read that was like of sexual intercourse. Yeah. Like it I was the that. first, like it was like, wah, you know, yeah. for that. Um, long before For the Shades of Grey, uh, other authors have been writing much more um, erotic and hotter. Right. Um, stuff. And so I brought a few of them in that that I've read before Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And I think that these authors like influence like my opinion of like what erotica is. So when I read Fifty, I was like, What is this? Fifty Shades of Shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you, you on know. that. So and I and I, and the most important thing too is that every person, whether they're male or female or whomever, like every person has their own idea of like what is fantasy. And so it's a matter of figuring out like what genre of erotica appeals to you or, you know, what is it that is fantasy for you? You know? And we can pretty much and guarantee. Oftentimes we're afraid to be like, that's hot to me yeah. as women. But there I think there's there's a story out there for you regardless of what you think, you know, what your fantasy is. I mean, I've been amazed when I've gone to the public library and I like, you know, see along the one walls, like all this erotic literature, you know? There's like, more than wow. Harlequin romances at the... Yeah, it's way <laughs> more than Harlequin romances, you know? It's it's way more. I mean, it's like... And, and there's even like an entire, you know, there are authors that devote only, you know, male to male, Absolutely, and there's like supernatural, like werewolf. Yeah, you know, if you want like a like a chef changer. Yeah, there's that or witch. There's vampire. You know, Twilight. Even Twilight was kind of a a teen version of a sexy story. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I think it just depends on, or for me at least, I think that it's it's. I want like people to know that it's okay to like what you like. And that you just need to like work on that sexual spirit and like keep that like alive and keep it going. I myself going through a divorce, I completely like almost buried, you know, the sexual spirit of my sexual self. And so part of recovering from divorce is like rebuilding that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, it's difficult because you don't know what you're going into and like I said before, I'm bored on average, you know, so when I meet new people. So it's, you know, a lot of times um, for reading, like it's a great escape. Like it's like 
this is the perfect lover in this book. <laughs> he or she you know is, I mean? right? Like, you know like, what I you mean? Know, like, they presented? This is what I want in this book, but you can't like go around, you know, the streets like, are you like this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to Emily's question before we took the break, or it might have been after the break, I don't remember. In your research, do you find or have you found that the consumers of erotic literature are 99% female or are there... Are, are there more erotic literature for men that's uh, besides male to male um, that are being written and, and consumed by men or or not or not maybe that maybe there's still visual I think it's I think it's every I think there's all kinds I think okay. everyone like every orientation if you will you know yeah. whether it's if you're into vampires or you know shift changers or yeah <laughs> so you know what I mean I think that there's there's something for everyone so do you find though that because there's something for everyone that um men are partaking of it in equal numbers or not I don't I so don't much? I don't I don't want to say that like men don't read books but I'm just saying like <laughs> I think that in terms of you know like just sort of like who's gonna be at home in the couch like with their cats you know what I mean reading like, the, the exactly exactly, exactly our I thoughts think that, are that's a woman right you know I mean you know th- these authors are writing towards women okay you know what I mean so uh, there are other authors that write you know towards you know more of a male thing but I just don't think that like there is a like an equal like the imagination part of it. Well, I mean, is, we can like is, expound know. it even further because, you know, in the porn industry, it is really geared towards men. Like the visual. Like you know, for an actual film a versus fi- a, a porn book. film exactly. is going to be geared more towards the male eye versus the female eye. Um, and then the book. So there are a few films. Well, there are. There you are. Know, companies some, that are female you run know, or what think have about, you. Yeah, like. There are. And it's getting better. But I think. But it's possibly now. Let's throw this bomb out here. Is it possible that women have had to find their release, their sexual release, through a book which can be hidden behind another Absolutely. book because of the shame or, versus a man that can be like, I'm walking into the. You no, know, just a good woman like reading a book and babysitting, that's, or that's you know what, what I was saying? proposing. Like, was that what you, you were getting? Know, yeah. I mean, my stepmother raised me with a book in her hand. Uh-huh. But you didn't know it was erotic literature. Harold Robbins, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, so I mean, and I hated reading when I was younger. I mean, I didn't become like a reading nerd until graduate school, you know? So, I mean, um, and then I got into like erotica after I finished a PhD because I was sick of reading theory and science. Right, so I'm like, right. And I read some fun crap, you know? So, right. so what are some of your favorite erotica well, my authors, um, uh, I have here um, Kimberly K. Terry, but she this is these are like earlier works. Like now she's doing more supernatural stuff, but I love her. And I have um, Opal Carew is another one. I think she's from Canada, and I have like everything she's ever written. Even what on do you my, like even about on my her? Kindle. I think that it, I think that it's it's just. Like her, like her imagination, like how she tells the story of it all, like how she describes what's happening. You yeah. know, um, everyone's got a different. Does it feel real to you? It feels like fantasy, and it feels like escape, right? Okay. Now that's for 
Kimberly K. Terry and then Opal Carew. Whereas Lauren Dane's stuff is more realistic for me. Like she has several like series of books and like this one's about a family of people and I just like read every freaking volume. Like I couldn't like like I read it like in three days. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean I think I think it just depends on the person and depends on Where being you are a visual at that point in you know? life too. There are some that are like, you know, for like, you know, you know, like, you know, big beautiful women or BBW. There are some that are like interracial. There are some that are like I said, like werewolf or yeah. you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you you know, whatever it is that So you know. can you go to Barnes and Noble and find a section dedicated to this? Yeah. You can find a section for erotica. The problem is, is that everyone orders things like ebooks now. Um, I have just as many on my Kindle as I have like in paperback. But it's something very romantic about reading a, like actually reading yeah, a book. Tactile you know experience. what I mean? Sex, so is, it's, sex is something you, you know. feel, and a book is also something when it's in your hand. Exactly. It feels much more. And then being intimate. a total nerd, I love like the collection of a book. Like I like having a library. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's you know. But I mean, I think that. As long as people can, like, dare to dream and, like, dare to imagine, I think that's, like, what fantasy is, right? Like, fantasy is your imagination and, like, what you, like, dare to even put out there, you know? Well, I have I have a book to recommend. <laughs> um, and it's one I wrote. Uh, for, for our listeners are, are not familiar with it. And it's called Midnight Playground. And it is, um, it's a contemporary romance set in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. Chicago and Detroit. And it's a complicated love story with, um, very good sex scenes Mm -hmm. that, uh, are in, that make the story happen. It's not just a, oh, it's time to have a sex scene. So I'll write one in, um, and uh, yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, you can email me, but uh, the, the the author name is Simone Richards. Okay, okay. but Here's your pen name—that's my pen name. So now everyone who listens to the podcast is aware of uh, mm-hmm. of my pen name. But yeah, so that's that's my book, and I wrote it in 2016, and and um, yeah, I've you know I've gotten you know great response for the people who have read it. Oh, uh, you know, we just need lots more people is it, to read what's it. The, what's the storyline? Is it like? Like divorced woman goes anew, no, goes no. to herself, or is no, it? No, uh, um, is it like a single, like a thruple? Uh, thruple, probably, but <laughs> a single woman in St. Louis. Uh, she dances tango. Uh, she meets a man in a wedding, and in, in another city, he becomes in, he becomes enamored by her, but he lives somewhere else. And so you watch the the development of their relationship mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. emails. Primarily to begin with. Exactly. While their worlds are happening and she has a relationship in St. Louis that just, he just disappears and she's struggling with that. He has a relationship in Detroit where he lives that is volatile and he can't, he's trying to figure out how to understand it at the same time they are communicating and presenting themselves in a way that. If if either side knew what was really going on in the other person's mm-hmm, life, they'd be mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, that's too crazy. That's I'm I'm out of here, right?" And then there's tango that that is interwoven throughout all of this because 
I dance tango, and of mm-hmm. course my character dances tango. But when you step on a on a dance floor and you you step into a close embrace, you were you were like you know inches away from somebody's exactly. face, and it's so intimate, and your hearts are beating, and you're moving to this music, and it's so intimate, it's so vulnerable, and you are so open on the floor. And then once the song is over, you walk off the dance floor, and then the barriers come up. So I Absolutely. kind of explore why. Why exactly. can we do that, but not still be that vulnerable off the dance floor? Absolutely. So it's called Midnight Playground. I will give you a copy. Well, I, I have plenty. I would love to. I would love to. <laughs> and then I you can write to. like a review or something. I would love to. I yeah. would love to. I'm not going to do a review. I'll just read it. And, and then, then like and five star me. Library. You can five star me on Amazon and people can like, oh, Dr. Donna recommended this book. So we will make sure to share a link to your book on our Website. Oh yeah, we should do that. As we? well as um, Donna, some if you will these... share some of your favorites, so that way we can have a recommended reading. Exactly. Or exactly. Are just authors to look at. Yeah. I mean, each of them have separate. Like some of them have gone fantasy, and they have yeah, they have all you know, kinds of stories. You know, vampires, werewolves. You know. Yeah. yeah, but these are like from ten years ago, and I'd be all about the vampire one. So let's talk yeah, about I, that there's later. There's tons of that paranormal. Yeah. There's tons of those. Okay, like it's and totally a genre. So let me let me before we wrap, wrap. this up. I I think when we first started out today talking about a woman's sexual spirit or a person's mm-hmm. sexual spirit, one of the suggested avenues to maybe identify your spirit. Mm-hmm. Come to grips with it, come to terms with it, accept it, celebrate it, is to explore things that might, that possibly turn you on through erotic literature. It's a safe way Mm -hmm. to put yourself out there exactly without um, incurring any danger or, exactly. or, or, or harm. And it's inexpensive. I mean, if you yeah, get, yeah. you know, if you get a on Kindle or whatever, e-reader or, or the library go to a bookstore. Exactly. You um, know? But it's, it's a good way to, to keep, as Emily said, keep the muscle going. Exactly. Exactly. And to, to like, instead of it being a separate part of you, your sexual spirit doesn't have exactly. to be have to exactly. be you know five feet removed. It's from just part of who you are. It's it's like every like a personality. It's part of how it's exactly the rest of it. exactly. exactly. And, and if women if women and men can become more, hopefully, will become more comfortable over time. Then your then the all aspects of relationships can be deeper and, and more gratifying mm-hmm. because Which you, I think people want that. And that yeah, explains the whole phenomena of the 50 shades phenomena. Like why did that, you know what I mean? I think that people want that. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think like as an anthropologist that would drive that phenomena. That we're hungry three for movies, connections. a sex toy line, and well, three books. Well, you know, there's also like yeah. the Avengers that went on for like what twenty one movies, <laughs> and I think we're just hungry for superheroes. Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. So, so but I, but I, you know, like just to bring it back home before we finish Wrap it this, up. this last sip in our glasses, we are all we are all sexual beings. That is a part mm-hmm. of us. And when you can marry or combine or or, or honor exactly all of that, life can be richer for you. Absolutely. And if, and if you can start in a safe spot with an erotic novel, 
then start there. Exactly. Nobody's telling you to walk down to the strip club or the sex no, club no. or join no a, join the swingers either. groups or anything like that. No one has to know. You can start there. Let that spirit shine. And let your spirit shine. Yeah. Donna, Dr. Donna, thank you so much for coming. Yes. Thank you for having me. I so feel great. Lovely yeah. to have I feel you inspired. <laughs> You're going to go home and read some, aren't you? I know. I'm, I'm going to go home and pass out. No, <laughs> I'm no. hoping I can steal one of those books well, from yeah, your I want to do yeah, yeah, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna take like a write list. them down because I'm telling yeah. you, like, yeah, these came out before Fifty Shades, and I we was like, Bliss, what the swing, right. scream my name, get your sexy on, ooh, laid bare <laughs> and lush. Okay, and, and <laughs> we're gonna great. divide those up when this yeah. closes. Yeah, I've got a large bag with me. I can carry them all out. So, all right, ladies, here's, here's, here's to our sexual spirits. Yes, sexual here's spirits. your sexual spirits. Cheers, saludes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>